There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everybody. Are you one of the smart ones that are hodling crypto? Well, if you are, congratulations. You're on the right track in the financial revolution. But did you know there's even a better way than just hodling crypto? Earning interest on it. With CoinChange, you can deposit your crypto and earn over time. Your interest is paid out daily and can be withdrawn anytime. Plus, CoinChange has no market risk, which means your deposit is covered by insurance even in the event of a third-party hack or theft. Not a crypto hodler? No problem. CoinChange is an all-in-one platform, so you can easily get started with cash. Check out CoinChange.io today and start earning, not just hodling. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, mining Bitcoin with volcanoes. (laughs) Really? The Metaverse land grab is here. And are NFTs a security? That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. Today is Monday, December 6, 2021. I first want to say thank you to everyone who wrote in yesterday to tell me that they got the podcast test in their feed. Sorry I was gone all weekend, but I am back. We're back in full effect. Just another PSA, by the way. We're going to be adding uh, dynamic ads to the podcast. So if they are too much, if they get annoying, if they're not placed properly, if they cut off like in the middle of words, um, again, I'm starting to learn this process in this new platform. Email me, MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. I'm trying to make the best product for everybody, for you, for Decrypt, for everybody. So I need your feedback to make sure that we're still making the best podcast as possible. And I am totally wired this morning. My girlfriend... Okay, so my girlfriend and I, we have different coffee styles. I like a dark roast, robust flavored coffee. And she likes more of a lighter roast. I call them green beans. And I'm out of my coffee this morning. But her coffees, even though it's a lighter roast and not as robust flavor has more caffeine. So when I make a pot using her coffee because I'm out, I, I am just totally wired because I drink a whole, I drink a lot of coffee. I love coffee, French press. And well, that's what's happening right now. So if I'm just like blazing through my words this morning, I apologize. It's because of her coffee beans, it, things that you don't need to know about. But one of these days we're going to meet each other in real life. And you're going to be like, I know all this stuff about this guy and it's going to be just weird. But anyway, let's get into those crypto prices. And I'm recording this at 10.15 Eastern Standard Time. We have Bitcoin sitting at $48,730, up 1.3% in 24. We're still down 14.7% in 7. Ethereum at $4,077, up 0.6%. Binance Coin, $568, up 3.8%. Tether number 4 in Solana, number 5 at 184, pretty much even from yesterday. Rounding off the top 10, we have Cardano, USDC, XRP, Polkadot, and Luna. Total market cap, we're at 2.25 trillion, a BTC dominance of 40.9 and an F dominance of 21.5. And now it's time for Coin of the Day. Our Coin of the Day today is Santimit Network Token, ranked number 811. 
Its current price is 36.8 cents. It's down 6% in 24. Market cap is 23.2, fully diluted, 30.6. The all-time high price of Sansomit token, ticker SAN, was four years ago at $8.14. It's down 95% since then, and it's all-time low. There's no data for that. You can buy it on Bitfinex, Uniswap, Kyber Network, and there you Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You have it. Volume is pretty low. What does sentiment do? Well, their mission is to black out the noise and provide data-driven insights on cryptocurrency networks, blockchain projects, and crowd sentiment on market behavior. And there you have it, sentiment number 811 on CoinMarketCap. So today we have an interview and a discussion about NFTs being securities. Are NFTs securities? I've had this book for the past month or maybe month and a half, and I didn't want to erase it off my books, even though I really stopped doing a lot of interviews. I thought this would be a discussion to have. And I'll be right back with that discussion. Douglas Borthwick, Chief Business Officer at INX Limited. How are you doing? Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Look, you, you guys sent me an email, and I was very intrigued by this argument that you're making that NFTs are securities. And I just want to preface this a little bit to everybody because I want to understand, one, what a security is, and two, what NFTs fall into that, if all of them fall into it or just some of them. And the reason why I'm asking that is, look, we're talking about like things like board Apes, and we're also talking about like artists like Beeple selling NFTs. Now, artists like Beeple, they make art, they're creative, they're going to make art no matter if it's on NFT form, digital form, they could do canvases, they're going to, not going to stop making art. But then there's like these things like, you know, dapper dinos or bored apes or um, mutant apes or degenerate apes, lots of apes, crypto toads, which is I think was actually a, a rug or was it zombie toads? Anyway, but you just have all these random like different hats, different shirts, different colors, NFTs that are being sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars. First question, is there a difference between the two? Well, there's a difference between the two for sure. You know, what I notice is you'll see something trading for five, 10, 15 million dollars between two anonymous Ethereum addresses. Well, there's a name for that in the US, and that's called money laundering. And one thing that, you know, there's no access to is, well, who are these people buying things? Now, when something sells at an auction house, a big piece of art, the auction house knows who the buyer is and who the seller is. They do all sorts of KYC and AML. Uh, when a security is sold, there's KYC and AML. That's know your customer and anti-money laundering um, where people look into it. But when you see NFTs trading today, there's none of that. And our belief is that for anything that's going to be selling over $10,000 within the next 18 months in NFT format, we'll have to go through a securities house, a digital securities house. And we'll probably trade as a Reg D or a Reg S private exempt security. And it's going to be companies like ourselves that will do that. In fact, we just entered into an agreement with Entoro, and Entoro created the first ever S NFT. That's a security NFT where the buyers and the sellers 
are all go through a KYC and AML before they purchase from the artist, and then it's listed. But something else that's very interesting with an NFT is, you know, there's a commission that keeps on going back to the initial artist. So when something is sold, a certain percentage of that goes back to the initial artist wherever it moves in, 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 the, the, uh, in, in the marketplace. Now, when you're paying commissions, that sounds a lot like a security to me. And I'm pretty sure the regulators are going to think it sounds like a security as well. And how do you earn commissions in the US? Well, you earn it by being a registered broker dealer. And a lot of the folks that are charging commissions or sending commissions right now are not in that registered space, don't even know how to spell FINRA and don't know who the SEC is. And so we think that there's a lot of regulation coming down the line with NFTs, that there's a lot of excitement. It reminds me of the ICO craze in 2017 that ended in tears for a lot of people. But if I want to move money from one country to another very, very quickly using Ethereum, then I think that the NFT would be that vehicle. And I've watched a lot of narcos. And I think that you know everyone always wants to find out what's the next best way to move cash from one country to another and have it look like it's it's clean. And I think that the NFT marketplace right now is probably one of these ways where I can create a piece of art in the morning and sell it for $50,000 later this afternoon. And you've got, and it goes between two anonymous people and the government has no idea who they are, can't charge taxes on it either. That's going to be a problem. Well, I just want to preface that you did say Ethereum and Ethereum network, but there's NFTs on multiple networks. So just to make sure that we're not being pointing out Ethereum directly, but it could be Binance Smart Chain, Solana, whatever you want. Right. There's lots of 90 odd percent right now are on Ethereum blockchain. Other blockchains are trying to find trains to put on their tracks. And so they're getting into the space as well. Solana, as you mentioned, is another. And so, yeah, there's, I mean, it doesn't matter what blockchain and NFT trades on, you know, the SEC and FINRA are, I think, blockchain agnostic. What the, the Federal Reserve cares about, what the tax authorities in the US care about is making sure they see who to tax when there's transactions and knowing who those people were that did these transactions. They couldn't care less what blockchain it is. You can't hide from the US government. And so, you know, if these are trading abroad, that's a completely different story. Rules outside the United States are very different from those in the US. But I think that if you're a US citizen, or you're a U.S. resident and you want to buy or sell NFTs, that NFT marketplace will probably move to something that's more regulated in nature and probably a digital security broker dealer or ATS. So what about if you are a U.S. citizen and you're making NFTs? One thing about the NFT space, crypto space, is that it is global. You have liquidity uh, from multiple people around the world. It's like a global, I guess, now commerce. Uh, So how would you manage that? Well, you'd manage it by if you were a U.S. person, you created an NFT, you would then register it as a Reg D or as a Reg S, so a private exempt security. And then you would list it on a platform like INX's or a broker dealer in ATS, and it would list there. And then buyers could come in from around the world. And after they've gone through a KYC and an AML process, they'd be able to buy it. Like when, I, when OpenSea is set up today, you really register your, your wallet there. And then you can start buying and selling as much as you want. Um, The step that we would add in is that KYC and AML to make sure that the person buying it or the person selling it isn't uh, nefarious in nature and isn't coming from an OFAC country or a country like North Korea or countries that the U.S. isn't really friendly with. The original question would be that do you put different values on different forms of NFTs? Do you think that certain NFTs are created just for money laundering well what i what i said initially was that i think that the government's going to crack down on anything over ten thousand dollars that's a that's a very specific number now what are nfts nfts today are 
an exciting ability to have ownership of a digital asset. It's great. I think that NFTs in the future will be your driver's license, your vaccination card, your passport, your uh, college diploma, your social security number. And all of these things you'll hold as NFTs in your phone. And you're not gonna trade those around. They're, they're your, your identity, they're non-fungible tokens. I think that when, where NFTs are going right now with something like Beeple is you create something that's $69 million. And then you say, you know, let's fractionalize this and do fractionalized ownership. Well, fractionalized ownership of an asset falls into the security token arena, and that falls then into the SEC and FINRA. And so as things get to a certain size, they become a different regulator's problem or authority. But when things are very small in size and they're not trading and you're talking about under $10,000, I think that, you know, that, that, that regulation probably isn't going to step in that much. But there's, you know, I think we all know, and there's already is rules in the United States for all anything over $9,999. It has to be, you have to, you know, write a report essentially to Treasury saying this is what happened and this is who it was for. How hard is it to do a Reg D or uh, something like that for an NFT? Is it labor intensive, time intensive, money intensive? Uh, then it's money intensive. I think you're not going to do a Reg, but again, we think this would be for anything over $10,000 maybe the cost of doing something like this. And I'm not giving financial advice, nor am I giving legal advice, but maybe the cost for something like that is only going to be a couple of hundred bucks. You know, it's, it's something where you're telling the SEC, this was bought by an accredited investor, or this was bought by this retail investor outside of the United States. It's not some, something, excuse me, where you have to do a full prospectus. We're talking about exempt private offerings. And so, you know, these are things that you can essentially become cookie cutters and then you can bring them to the table. They can be, you know, the, the paperwork can be written up and then they can be listed relatively quickly. It's adding in a step for sure, but that step sort of then puts it on the radar of uh, regulatory authorities that right now NFTs in their current state are not. That, that brings up another question. So when does that kick in? You say you keep saying $10,000, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff that were airdropped, like NFTs that are airdropped that are now hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if you are getting a commission as an artist of, they say, 5%, 10% on OpenSea or SoulSea or whatever, uh, you are now getting thousands and tens of thousands of dollars right. commission on right. those trades trades of that NFT. So when does that kick in? And is well, this actually too complex of a process for the average person? And are we now restricting the market? Well, there's always going to be restrictions in the market. That's how the tax guy gets paid. So let's... You know, the idea that the U.S. regulatory authorities are not going to be in anyone's business over $10,000 is, in my mind, foolhardy. That's, remember, in the United States. Outside the U.S., for sure, trade around as you want. I think where regulation is going to come in the U.S. is every single person that wants to trade in the U.S., it's a U.S. resident, is going to have to whitelist their wallet, whether it's Ethereum wallet, Bitcoin, whatever it is, with the U.S. government or with a U.S. registered exchange in some way. And that registration means that you're, you're putting them on the map for the IRS. Now, if you don't want to register your, your Bitcoin wallet or your Ethereum wallet, that's fine. Deal with Binance you know, offshore. Deal with a company offshore. But the U.S. sets rules for U.S. residents. And I believe that it's going to happen where they kind of say, look, you've got to whitelist your wallet if you want to deal with a U.S. registered institution. Now, if you don't want to, you can go outside the U.S., but then you don't have those benefits that you know being a U.S. regulated institution brings, which is hopefully that you're not going to lose your money and the guy that you're transacting with isn't going to walk away with your capital. What's your timeline for this? I think it's going to happen within the next 18 months. Douglas Borthwick, Chief Business Officer 
at INX Limited. Thanks for coming on the show, talking about NFT securities. Lots of questions that you brought up. I think more questions than answers, but it's definitely going to take us down the path of thinking about these things a little bit more deeply. I appreciate it. Matthew, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Cheers. Moving into today's headlines, El Salvador's president, Naib Bukele, announced his plans to utilize volcanoes for Bitcoin back in June. At that time, he directed La Geos, a state-owned electricity company, to offer facilities for Bitcoin mining with very cheap 100% clean, 100% renewable, zero emissions energy from their volcanoes. In October, that process began, and Bukele himself announced via Twitter plans to launch a Bitcoin city powered by volcanoes, and the initial development would be financed by Bitcoin-backed bonds. However, it might be too good to be true, as Ricardo Navarro, an ecologist in El Salvador, questioned the country's decision to mine Bitcoin using geothermal. He said this in quote, geothermal still costs more than oil. Otherwise, we'll be already using more of it. What will end up happening is that we'll just be buying more oil. Continue to say, talking about building the city next to a volcano is like thinking that you're rich because you live next to a bank. Geothermal energy means steam and groundwater, or water that is held underground in soil or rocks. But they have problems with not enough water in El Salvador already. So if they're lacking water, where are they going to get the water to put underground for the geothermal energy? So all in all, yes, the president called for Bitcoin mining at a volcano. Yes, he called for a city next to the volcano. But all in all, realistically, it's probably two to four years down the road. Binance is trying their hand again at gaining an FCA or Financial Conduct Authority license to operate their crypto exchanges in the UK. This news comes after the exchange was categorically dismissed by the FCA earlier this year. CZ Zhao, the Binance CEO, said, We are fully re-engaged there. We're making a number of very substantial changes in organizational structures, product offerings, our internal processes, and the way we work with regulators. We want to continue to establish a presence in the UK and serve UK users in a fully licensed and fully compliant manner. They're trying their best. It looks as though they're putting the work in. They are talking to the right people. It looks like they're hiring the right people. Maybe you have a Binance.UK coming to a UK near you. It seems like every week or every other week, we have to go through the same public service announcement. And that is not your keys, not your coins. Or if Bitcoin Zay was here, he would say, not your keys not your cheese. Why? Because BitMart is an exchange and they got hacked for $150 million, but PeckShield says it's closer to $200 million. Sheldon Xia, the CEO of BitMart, said the crypto exchange will refund users who fell victim to this large-scale attack on Saturday night out of his own pocket. Very nice to have $200 million laying around, but also very, very nice to say, I'm going to pay for it and make everybody whole. Xia, he took to Twitter on Monday morning to confirm that the incident was caused by stolen private keys of two BitMart's hot wallets. He wrote this, quote, BitMart will use our own funding to cover the incident and compensate affected users. We are also taking multiple project teams to confirm the most reasonable solutions for token swaps. No user assets will be harmed. So basically what happened was the exchanges Ethereum and Binance Smart Chain hot wallets were compromised. So what is the difference between a hot wallet and a cold wallet? A hot wallet is one that's connected to the internet. And basically what the exchanges do is they have a little bit of funds connected to the internet, connected to the exchanges so that people can withdraw their funds as needed. And a cold wallet is basically taking your keys and your coins off the internet. It's not connected to the internet for the most part. It's not touching your computer. 
there's this air gap between the computer and the keys or the coins. And well, what happened was, is the hot wallet that was doing what hot wallets do, being connected to the internet, being connected to the exchange. And well, the Ethereum wallet and the Binance Smart Chain wallet fell victim. Yesterday, somebody spent $450,000 on a plot of virtual land next door to Snoop Dogg's mansion in the Snoopverse. You think that this is not real life sometimes because of the things that I say on this show. And I think that I'm just reading. I'm wondering who is BSing me sometimes. So I actually do background research and be like, this, is this really a thing? Somebody spent real money, $450,000 on land next to Snoop's mansion. <laughs> this is this is real. You know, I just saw a tweet from my buddy Function uh, yesterday or two days ago. And he said that uh, the crypto space gives you a weird perception of money. And obviously, <laughs> you keep talking about billions and hundreds of thousands or hundreds of millions. And obviously, people think that paying $450,000 for a plot of virtual land next to Snoop's mansion is a good investment. And you know what? It might be. And the Snoopverse is a section of the metaverse in the world, the sandbox. And Snoop tweeted about this, said that that price was a bargain. <laughs> so metaverse land sales have topped $100 million of sales this week alone. That included a $2.43 million parcel in Decentraland and a $4.3 million real estate sale in the sandbox. So what is your thoughts on the metaverse and buying parcels of land in the metaverse? Me and my buddy was out to brunch. Yes, we were out to brunch yesterday. I like brunch. Don't don't at me. Anyway, we were out to brunch yesterday and we were talking about just that. It's like it's like we're, we're investing in like AOL or Netscape right now. We're so early in the metaverse. We haven't seen what Facebook is going to do. We haven't seen what any other companies are going to do. We haven't seen what Apple is going to do if they're going to do something. We haven't seen the development or the maturation of this space yet. Yet the money that's being spent on some of these plots of land is insane. What if they just go away? And is there actually scarcity? And what if everybody flocks to a different metaverse? Because you could just have multiple. It's like a multi-metaverse. It's a multiverse of metaverses. And just because Snoop lives in one doesn't mean it's not going to be the winner. I would love to live next to Snoop, but more, probably more in real life. Anyway, send me your thoughts. Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. What is your thoughts on the metaverse? What is your thoughts on the money that is being put into the metaverse? And do you think that is Decentraland, the sandbox, that's going to be the king of the metaverse? Or are we going to have to wait for the Google or the Facebook of the metaverse to come out in a decade or so? And finally, something I'm going to be very much paying attention to and wishing Sam Bankman fried good luck on is because he will be testifying in front of the House Financial Services Committee on December 8th. And well, FTX's CEO, Sam Bankman fried he has a list of principles it believes, he believes, will lead to superior outcomes for investors and indeed the public. I'm going to tell you what these principles are. There's 10 of them. Like I just said, there's 10 of them. But you have to read the details into the principles. We're not going to do that here because it would take me about a half hour to get through. Please find the link to this article in the show notes and read this document. Because this is what Sam Bankman fried thinks or says the government should act on. Number one, proposing a one primary market regulator with one rule book for spot and derivative listings. Number two, full stack infrastructure providers and maintaining market structure neutrality. Number three, custody of crypto assets, key function and disclosure requirements. Number four, full stack market infrastructure providers and life cycle of a trade addressing risk related to token issuance and asset services, orderly markets and settlement of trades, cross margining and risk management of positions. Number five, well, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? Number five, trading platform providers ensuring regulatory and market reporting. Number six, 
ensuring customer protections. I'm surprised that's number six. Number seven, ensuring financial responsibilities are meant. Number eight, ensuring stablecoins used on platform meet appropriate standards. Number nine, full stack infrastructure providers ensuring appropriate cybersecurity safeguards are kept. And number 10, full stack infrastructure providers ensuring anti-money laundering and know your customer compliance. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, leave us a comment, and DeemerforCongress.com. That's D-I-E-M-E-R for Congress.com. Donate to pro-Bitcoin candidate Matthew Deemer. That's me. And until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.